Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and day two of the draft is now behind us. The Eagles on day two have selected Alabama offensive lineman Landon Dickerson as well as Louisiana Tech defensive tackle Milton Williams in rounds two and round three, respectively. We're going to talk all about those guys in draft buzz. Ben Fennel, he's still out in Cleveland. Dane Brugler, he's all the way down in Dallas. I'm here in Philadelphia. We got together once again on Friday night to get you our thoughts on the Eagles' newest selections and how they fit this roster moving into the 2021 season. But first, if you're listening to this episode, chances are you're an Eagles fan. And if you're listening to this show for the first time and you think, oh, I'm just going to listen to learn more about the newest Eagles, then I'll unsubscribe next week. I'm telling you, don't do it. Because yes, over the next few days, I and others are going to help introduce you to the newest Eagles draft picks. If you stay subscribed to this show, though, you will be ready to form your own opinions on all of the players the Eagles add down the road and even how to spot the diamonds in the rough yourselves. Remember, the Eagles could potentially have three first-round picks next year in 2022. Next year's lead-up to the NFL draft is going to be awesome, and there is no better way to be the smartest person in your circle when it comes to getting ready for it, because no matter what time of year it is, the Journey to the Draft podcast is here to make you a smarter fan when it comes to the draft player evaluation, team building, and just the sport of football in general. Over the next couple of weeks here on the show, we're going to be breaking down this class of players entering the league here in 2021. But after that, I'll start having conversations with former NFL scouts and general managers to talk about how to evaluate players and project them going from college to the NFL. In July, we start previewing next year's class, who you need to watch when college football starts up in September. And when the season kicks off, we are here every single week talking about who the standouts are, who's rising, who's falling, scouting reports, rumors, mock drafts, team building exercises, so much more and all of that. Leads into the postseason. We're talking Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, Combine. You're going to be ready for all of those tentpole events leading all the way up to the main event next April. Just stay subscribed right here to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. You'll get multiple shows a week. Let us take care of the rest. That being said, let's get this show rolling. We've got some news to get to. The Eagles have drafted Landon Dickerson and Milton Williams. We're here to talk about it now in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, well, let's get into these picks here for the Eagles on day two as I welcome in my friends Dane Brugler and Ben Fennell. Guys, uh, let's first talk about the uh, Eagles' second-round pick, 37th overall, Alabama offensive lineman Landon Dickerson. And, Ben, when I heard that this was the pick, you were the first person I thought of because I thought back to all of the times this fall you would come back after watching all the film. We would record our shows on Monday afternoon, and you would say, guys, I was watching Alabama again. And the double teams from Landon Dickerson and Deontay Brown just burying people and putting SEC defensive linemen on their backs every single week. Uh, you were the first person I thought of because I know how much you love Landon Dickerson. Well, he just is a tone setting presence. He brings an attitude, obviously a physical demeanor. It's a run first offense in Alabama. And it started inside out, you know, with big Dickerson and big Deontay Brown and Leatherwood and uh, paving the way for Najee Harris and then opening things up for the RPO game. But the big speculation around Landon Dickerson was what's his value if he wasn't injured? And he's a mid first round pick all day long, but he unfortunately had the ACL tear, I believe, um, was in the Georgia game or the SEC championship game, if I'm not mistaken. 
but I think everything's on track. Uh, he does have an injury history going back to his Florida State days. But when he's healthy, when he's on the field, he makes his presence known. He's always one of the best players. Kind of an awkward size center to be so large, at, you know, kind of 6'5", 330 or whatever he is. But I think I like him a little bit better at the guard position. But his physical demeanor, particularly in the run game, particularly looking for work, just being nasty, playing to the echo of the echo of the echo of the whistle, always looking to kind of enforce his will against some opponents. It's a grind to watch some of those big defensive tackles in the SEC just wear down late in games, particularly in the fourth quarter. That's what he brings. He brings a presence, an attitude, a physical demeanor. And if his knee is fine and all the medicals check out, which the three of us, we're not doctors, we're going to leave that stuff to the experts. All I do is watch the film, and it looks pretty good when he's on the field. Dane, I know you were a big fan uh, of Landon Dickerson as well. I believe he was in the back end of your uh, your first round in your last mock draft, I believe. Uh, this is a player that uh, a lot of people that we know were very, very high on. Yeah, and uh, on my top 100 board, uh, he was number 21 overall. And wow. I, I got a lot of questions like, well, you're higher on him uh, than most. You know, what about the injuries? And this and I can't, I think I had the same response every time. And it's, I cannot quit Landon Dickerson. I can't, I, I, he is so much fun to watch and yeah, credit to Ben. He was uh, early on that train. And when I finally got around to sitting down and watching him, I, I bought in right away. Uh, he's the only offensive lineman in this draft who has a start, at least one start at all five positions. Mm. Uh, he was, he, he started the season opener uh, uh, for Florida state as a true freshman the first guy to do that in over 30 years. Uh, wow. There's so, so much to like about his pedigree, the character, uh, you know, and just going back to that ACL injury and watching his team rally around him or the national title game when he got it on the last play in on the field uh, <laughs> after that ACL tear, just because he loves this so much. And so he, he's going to get beat up. You know, his body's going to let him down at times, but the toughness is off the charts. The football character is amazing. And, you know, the tape is really, really strong. Uh, I graded him as a better guard than center, but he has that versatility to play any of the interior line positions. Uh, he, he moves well. He's got power. Uh, he, he's got some flexibility. He's got Taekwondo in his background. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that have helped him become the player that he is. Uh, but he, and he's the type of player that you love to play with, hate to play against because he's he's got that bully mentality. He'll take a borderline cheap shot here and there just because that's that you know he wants to get into the mind of opponents. So I'm a big Landon Dickerson fan. And if I'm the Eagles, uh, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm feeling great about this pick and the value. I mean, honestly, the the moment when he gets inserted into the game in the last few snaps uh, of the national title, one of my favorite moments of the college football season, and obviously a unique season uh, due to COVID-19, but uh, when he's inserted in there with the torn ACL from just a couple of weeks prior just to be on the field for those last couple snaps, I feel like that speaks so much to the respect that he has earned, not just from his teammates, from his coaches. Like, Nick Saban is not a guy to just, (laughs) like, do those kinds of things willy-nilly. I think that speaks uh, very, very highly towards Landon Dickerson. And when we talk about that versatility, Ben, um, you know, you and I talk about how important it is for young offensive linemen to have that background, to have that ability to, you know, basically plug it where it leaks. If you need, uh, you need somebody to fill in at left guard. Yeah, I can do it coach. Hey, you need somebody right tackle this week at center, wherever it is, he's got that ability. So, you know, while the Eagles have veterans on the roster right now uh, that are certainly, you know, set to start, 
I think you've got now a player that, you know, can fill in wherever you need him to uh, as we sit here today. And it kind of reminds me of when we drafted Isaac Sayomalo in the third round of about three, four or five years ago. At this point, everybody thought he'd be the future center as a rookie. He played left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle, fullback, tight end, swing tackle. He was just plugging it where it leaks. And I think that's what Dickerson can do. And the other thing just about getting in that game, he just has an infectious, enthusiastic personality, yep. which is so strange because his on-field demeanor looks like he wants to, you know, rip your head off. And just looking on the sideline, kind of pleading with Nick Saban to run in there, you know, for that kneel down or it was awesome. whether he's doing, <laughs> doing a cartwheel behind Mac Jones's interview at his pro day. He just seems like that lovable goofball that's going to fit in great with Lane and uh, Kelsey and some of those other really fun personalities. And one assignment for everybody listening here, Fran, go to Twitter, go to Cole Kublik, a great analyst of football, go to his Twitter account and just search Dickerson because he was on a crusade every week of the college football season to highlight Landon Dickerson looking for work and just crushing defensive tackles. Don't put a lot of value in it. Just sit back and enjoy the entertainment of man-on-man physical football. It's a lot of fun to watch. And Cole was after it every week and seemed to find every crushing block from Dickerson. I can't wait to go back and look at them all. Just lay back, just grab a drink, and just enjoy. Just uh, let the plays uh, soak <laughs> over you. Uh, you know, it's a, a really fun watch, a really fun player. Obviously, uh, the injury concerns aside, uh, this is a guy that obviously has a ton of ability uh, moving forward into the NFL. It's pretty quick off the ball, too. And you play in yeah, space. No they pull him to the perimeter, and yep. they have no problem uh, working him in the screen game. So a guy that's 6'5", 330, looks kind of big and lumbering and probably a, you know, a phone booth player, but – he can get out in space too and crush some defensive backs and linebackers. I think his intelligence is something that uh, you know we we don't necessarily talk about enough. He, he on the field and off the field. He graduated cum laude uh, from Alabama, and that translates to the field. You see him the, the quick thinking adjustments, his his awareness. He knows where those uh, rushes are coming from. Head is always on a swivel. Um, so his ability to break down the action, that football intelligence is, is remarkable. So uh, that's, he, you know, I, I would go as far as to say he is the ideal uh, type of guy you want. Toughness, football character. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the medical concerns are there. There's no way around it. And so if he can stay healthy, I wrote it in the final line of my report. If he stays healthy, he has an all pro ceiling at the NFL level. Uh, he's just a really good player. Hey, Dane, question for you. Did you ever see him struggle on the field? What's that one go-to tape in your mind that you said, you know what, this guy gave him problems or maybe he didn't look so great in this game. Is there anything that stands out? The only thing I can think of is the big 6'6", 330 defensive tackle Jordan Davis at Georgia occasionally knocked him back and occasionally they had some stalemates. But I have a really hard time finding flaws in his tape. I, there are times where you you think maybe he'll he abandons the fundamentals a little too early because he's going for that kill shot or you That's know a great he, point yeah you know, th- there are times where just a, li- a little bit too early uh, when he does that but it's it's not a perpetual problem uh, you know the, the pad level can be a little inconsistent especially for a center you know could it, it could be tough when uh, you know those nose tackles can get underneath you that's probably it's one you know we don't see many six six centers in the NFL I mean that's part of the reason why I think he's best at guard but I mean we're nitpicking at this point far more strengths to his game than weaknesses you guys remember that tape uh him versus uh, Derek Brown in 2019 the uh, Alabama Auburn <laughs> game uh that is a fun watch as well I'm pretty sure there are cut-ups of that uh online for people to go and find uh as well 
So let's fast forward now to round three, where the Eagles uh, have their pick early in the round. They trade back a couple of slots with the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers move up. They take BYU offensive lineman Brady Christensen. The Eagles sit back. They've got a couple guys uh, that go, and then they select Louisiana Tech defensive lineman Milton Williams. And guys, let me just let you know that I threw two fist pumps in the air when that when I found out that that was the name. Really, really excited uh, for Milton Williams. When I finally told you to watch him and you finally got around (laughs) to it, I mean, you know, like about time. Yeah, it was he uh, he was a guy that I was really, really high when I first watched and, you know, had no idea. Obviously, he's going to end up here in Philadelphia. uh, But this is a player with just outstanding versatility. The athleticism, the explosiveness just pops off the film of really violent hands. I compared him to former Eagles defensive tackle Malik Jackson because he had that position versatility when he came out of Tennessee a handful of years ago. Uh, and I feel like Milton Williams has that same kind of skill set, uh, you know, inside, outside, disruptive, violent, explosive. Uh, really, really excited about this addition, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember you first kind of putting me on to him and trying to figure out do you play him inside? Do you play him outside? He's long. He's explosive. He's disruptive. He's strong. He's kind of relentless in his pursuit and his motor as well. He has a lot of traits to really get excited about. And I think a lot of his best football is ahead of him. Yeah. He's a guy that's only played 1,200 snaps in his college career. Uh, really just a two-year player that there at La Tech and seems to be getting better exponentially each season. Uh, and I'd love to hear kind of, Fran, your trajectory on finding him or just being aware of his tape and then getting excited about him as a prospect, because you seem to have been one of the first to kind of bring him to the national spotlight through our podcasts and uh, social media accounts and stuff. And everyone seemingly has been blown away ever since. To me, like it, it, all, all that happened was the underclassmen list came out. And I watch, I'm like, all right, I, I've never seen this kid before. I've never heard of Milton Williams. Uh, he enters the draft. Louisiana Tech's, you know, they're, they're putting guys in the league every single year, uh, especially on the defensive side. Last year, it was Legarius Sneed, who was a, a big-time player for the Kansas City Chiefs. But we've seen them put players in the league every single year on defense. So uh, I said, all right, let's, let's plug this guy's film in. And he just blew me away. And it, what stood, stood out to me is that, Look, he had to shift inside the defensive tackle this past season in 2020. Uh, I think they had some opt-outs on the interior. They had a couple guys get hurt during the spring and summer. Um, So he steps in, uh, takes one for the team, plays inside at 265 pounds. Fast forward to a little bit later to January, he's up around 285, 290. And what he did at his pro day, you know, running in, you know, sub four, six, five, jumping 38 and a half inch, whatever it was in the vertical uh, at that size, that athleticism, that explosiveness, that shows up on film. And again, a guy that can consistently can change the line of scrimmage. He was a matchup player inside. He was tough to get a hand on. And for the interior offensive lineman, he was too big uh, and, and powerful for those guys as well. It, it, just a really, really fun player to watch. You talk about the motor as well, Ben. Uh, you know, the, the, he, he stood out on tape. Uh, There's no ifs, ends, or buts about it. Uh, this was a guy that was really, really impressive. Yeah, and it's really fun to just look at his kind of positional versatility, and he has reps in the A-gap, the B-gap, outside yep. the tackle. He even has a couple in a off-ball sense, uh, which I'm looking at here at PFF's draft guide, which has nine snaps not on the defensive line, which is a really interesting kind of usage. I'm assuming some sort of third-down pressure package by just walking him around, but really interesting player. I think I saw some issues in the BYU game. David Moore at Grambling, I thought, got after him a little bit. They each kind of took their lumps in that heavyweight battle. Um, but that was kind of iron sharpening iron. And I really think once he gets some 
more refined coaching and kind of figures figures out who he wants to be positionally, which I think he's going to be a pretty good three tech at this point. I think give him one spot. Let's you know uh, perfect that and then move from there. Dave, where did I, I was, you land on him? Yeah, yeah, I was really impressed with the lateral range. Uh, yep. he, he plays really well laterally. He's really slippery, uh, which is impressive to watch. And so, in the effort, I thought was consistent. Uh, he'll chase down plays, uh, make make plays away from the line of scrimmage, uh, and then you know you look at the testing numbers. Uh, it, it matches you know exactly what he put on film. 6'3", 284, with a 4'6", 40-yard dash. I mean, their receivers didn't run that fast. Uh, and the three-cone was sub-seven seconds, 34 reps on the bench. Really, the only negative number from his pro day was their arm length, 31 and a half, uh, which, you know, you were hoping for a, a little bit longer than that. So, uh, Milton Williams is a really intriguing player. I, I I have a question for you guys. What do you think his ideal playing weight is? Because I know in season, he was about 270, 275. Yep. Then he puts on weight. He's at 284 for the pro day. What, what do, you, is, do you think he's a 290 guy? Do you think he gets closer to 300? What, what do we think his, his ideal playing weight will be, assuming that he's going to be playing more on the interior uh, as opposed to on the edge? You know, Ben, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast about the guys that just kind of undergo those position changes, right? And I think that sometimes, especially when it has to do with adding a lot of weight, sometimes it takes you a little bit of time to feel comfortable moving it that weight. And, and that's where, uh, you know, working with the guys that he's training with, uh, he's been working out down at Exos over the course of this offseason. So getting ready down there, uh, you know, getting ready for this entire process, my guess is, with the way that he was able to move at 284, that's the thing. Is like you could say, all right, did he put on weight and then he didn't test well? No, this guy put on he put on a bunch of weight and then he went and he tested all those numbers you listed out, Dave. They were at least 90th percentile amongst all defensive tackles that have been drafted in the last decade. That 38 and a half inch vert better than any D tackle drafted since 2001 or 2011, wow. rather. So uh, this is a huge huge uh, athletic testing profile to me. Yeah. He carries that weight. Well, my guess is, yeah, he's going to be playing in the, in the mid to high two eighties uh, at the very least as a rookie. I'm excited to see what he looks like come the summer and then and into the fall. Yeah. I'm thinking five or 10 more pounds of muscle considering he put on some weight and was still showing pretty explosive movements at his pro day, as long as it's quality weight. And I'm actually looking at Eric Stokes profile right now. They both jump 30, eight and a half. You know, <laughs> Eric Stokes is Jeez. six foot one ninety four. Milton Williams had a faster 20 yard shuttle than Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes ran four, three, six Milton Williams. I have four, three, three. Eric Stokes is the, the first round pick, the corner from the green Bay Packers. Just so who turned yeah. heads with his four, two 40 right. and is an explosive type of corner and a first round caliber corner all day long. and went to the green Bay Packers. Milton Williams had a faster 20 yard shuttle at almost a hundred pounds heavier. And I'm interested to kind of dig into some of those freaky explosives just to see who is that in comparison with. And uh, yep. probably next podcast, I'll have some other intriguing names and receivers and very athletic profile players to compare to, which is really fun to do. All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll save that for early next week. Cause I think we'll have uh, plenty to discuss as we get together, just to kind of talk through this entire class as a group guys, uh, very generous with your time. Obviously it's late here, Friday night. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the Eagles action on day three. I think they've got eight picks as we sit here right now. Excited to see what the Eagles, uh, can work up here in the final day of the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, guys, we'll talk to you tomorrow. 
So great stuff there, as expected, from both Ben and Dane. We'll be back tomorrow, as I said, right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. We'll be talking all about the Eagles' day three selections. We'll do all that tomorrow. And then we've got another episode coming in a couple days where myself, Ben, Dane, we're going to recap this entire Eagles draft class. We've got a lot coming over the next couple of weeks. Make sure you stay subscribed right here on this channel. Continued analysis of the 2021 NFL draft right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. In just over three years, Eagles Autism Foundation has raised millions of dollars for autism research and care. But this is about so much more than just fundraising. This is about making a transformational difference in the lives of those affected by autism. This is about bringing our community together. With inclusive, sensory-friendly events and accessible resources, we meet families where they need us most and where we can serve them best. Together, we're united in our mission to improve the lives of the autism community and to turn awareness into action. It's what we focus on every day in every way.